The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. get into the word this morning and there are times where the word is stirring in my heart in one direction or, or another direction and you're, you're wanting to make sure that you're on board. There, there was something specific this morning that I wanted to look at. Uh, I want to get into the word and see this but before we do that I want to talk about just the song there that we sing. I know it seems like every time we sing a song that, that has the cry Hosanna in it. You know, I, I can't help but stop and acknowledge that word. It's a powerful word. It comes from the scripture. It's broken, uh, taken from, from two words, derived from two words, Hoshaya Na. It's a cry to, for, for salvation, for deliverance. I think it's a really fitting song. I mean, most of the time when you would, would, would hear a cry like that, uh, it would be in desperation. It probably wouldn't be, you know, in harmony and, and, and set to music, but it would have been more of a, a desperate uh, I have no other options, you're my only hope kind of a, a situation. And I think that that's a very fitting word to apply to our, our prayers, to our worship, to our praise. And I want to encourage you uh, as you, you do intercede, as you do pray, as you are uh, functioning and operating in your own house as a believer and as you're work in the workplace, as you're with those around you, that your heart be given to that cry of Hosanna. I think it's important for us to to be those who are crying out for Jesus to come and and deliver. I want to get into the Word this morning. A few things that we're going to find as we get into the Word, uh, I want to offer those to you. If you're able to take some notes here, I'll give you some things you can jot down. Uh, one would be, what glorifies God? There's something that glorifies God, and I want to find out what that is. There's another thing that we're going to find as we get into the Word. It, it, it's, it's what Jesus refers to as, and obviously I'm paraphrasing his words, but a priority one message. I mean, a, a most important message. And then the third thing that we're going to find as we, we move through the word is uh, what our lives prove. And your life is meant to be proof of something that, that God is doing here uh, on the earth through you. Now, some of the elements of the message today are going to sound familiar. Uh, you know, we've, we've talked about this, we've, we've used this passage of Scripture before, but I want to look at it as it concerns the times that we're in right now, uh, because I, I had a, a wonderful opportunity to listen to a, a teaching that was put together for me, and the whole time I was listening to the teaching, I, I was thinking, yes, this is explaining what they're doing. Yep, this is identifying what they're doing. Yep, this is, is right in line with what they're doing. And as I kept listening to it, that, that was kind of the, the cheer. It was a, a message put together about the, the unrest that's going on and the agendas behind it. And make no mistake, there are definitely agendas behind it, and there's serious unrest. But the whole time I was listening to it, I was listening to it from the perspective of, of identifying what they're doing, what they're doing, what they're doing, and then all of a sudden, as I, I, I had a moment where I realized, this is me. Now, I'm doing things in a different way. I'm not doing the same things they're doing, but, but some of the same things that are going on are going on in my life. And I think we have a tendency to do that. I mean, Jesus talks about that, you know, when, when he talks about uh, uh, identifying what's going on. You know, he says, you might look at your, your brother and his situation and you see something awful, but you ought to examine yourself. You know, he actually said that you need to take the, the big two-by-four out of your eye before you can get the little splinter out of your brother's eye. That's how he worded it. 
But as I was listening to that message, I was getting so revved up because I was seeing what they're doing, what they're doing, what they're doing, and then all of a sudden I had this deep conviction. Am I examining myself, or am I busy just examining what they're doing? And so I wanted to revisit a passage of Scripture that we've looked at before, and we'll probably look at it again. I have no doubt about that. Because I I want us as believers, I mean, this small group right here, if we can examine ourselves, that can be the most powerful and effective force on the earth for the kingdom of heaven. I mean, right here, right in this room, the, the, the talents, the giftings, the anointings, when we can examine ourselves and come into alignment and agreement with what God has for us, we can see incredibly powerful things. So I want to give you a passage of scripture here as we open. What glorifies God? Uh, if you, you want to turn in your Bibles, you can look John 15, verse 8. John 15, verse 8. My Father is glorified by this. That's how the verse opens up. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. So what you're going to find in the, in the rest of this passage is what God is glorified by. Jesus is speaking, John 15, verse 8, and he says, My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit. Now, we don't really talk that way, you know. I mean, I I don't use the word fruitful a whole lot. I use words like successful or productive or things like that. But those words are interchangeable. I mean, when Jesus is talking about being fruitful, he's talking about being successful. He's talking about being productive. He's talking about having positive or good or desirable results for all of the investment, all of the effort that you put into anything. I want to be productive in many areas of my life. I want to be productive in my marriage. I want to be productive raising my children. I want to be productive, uh, obviously, in, in, in ministry, in the call of God that's on my life and on each one of your lives. I want to be productive in every aspect of life. And Jesus is saying something, that that productivity, that success, it does something. It glorifies God. So I can take that passage of Scripture and I can come to this understanding. And I mean, I'm saying this to you with, with all of that building it up. That God gets a kick out of me being successful. He gets a kick out of you being successful. I mean, he's glorified by you being a good husband or a good wife, by you doing the things that he's called you to do. He's glorified. His name is lifted high. He is thrilled when we are productive in the areas that he's called us to thrive in. So with that setting the stage, I want to talk about that fruitfulness, what it takes to be fruitful, what it takes to be productive or successful. Uh, Jesus talks about this, and we're going to see here in a moment, he identifies this as a message that that is the most important message possibly. Now, those are my words, not his, but you'll see that. I want to to look at that. If you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. Now, Mark chapter 4. We've got uh, uh, beginning in verse 1. I want to look at a a few passages of Scripture here. We're going to read a section, and you're going to be hearing Jesus uh, speaking. Now, he's speaking in in what is called a parable. Uh, He's he's identifying a a message in a very relatable uh, sense. And for those whom the Spirit has, has moved on their heart or their mind, it makes perfect sense. They apply it to their life. Much like yesterday when I was listening to something, that was not talking about me But all of a sudden, I realized, oh my goodness, this is about me. So Jesus is speaking to a crowd, and he begins to speak. It says in verse 1, he began to teach. And such a large crowd gathered that he had to get into a boat and move out into the sea. 
He sat down, and the whole crowd was by the, the, the sea and on the land. I, I want to just point out what that means. I, uh, you could easily leave that out of your notes or leave it out of the message because it doesn't seem to have any, any real meaning or worth or content there. But it's a wonderful thing to include. I mean, some of you may remember a message. It's been some time, but uh, uh, Thomas brought a message. Uh, one of our elders here, Thomas, brought a message. And he talked about uh, some of the, the eyewitness accounts that are so obviously recorded in the gospel, verifying the gospel, that this is how they're written. I mean, these kind of details aren't left out. You have eyewitness account here. Somebody's talking about this. They're saying, wow, he went, he was teaching, people started showing up, then they kept showing up. So many people showed up that Jesus had to get in the boat. And you've got to think about that. I mean, why would he have to do that? The crowd's getting so big. Now, they didn't have microphones, and they couldn't say, hey, sound guy, can you turn me up? Or, or let's get some monitors in the back so that people back there can have a view of what's going on on the stage. People were trying to get close. They wanted to hear. They wanted to see. So they're pressing in. Social distancing is out the window at this point, you know? And they're pressing in, and they're trying to get close, and they've literally backed Jesus up to the water's edge. I mean, I can picture his message starting, and people are gathering, and, you know, I can just picture him kind of moving back, and the crowd gets bigger, and he moves back, and finally he feels the waves on his feet. You know, and he looks back, can't move back any further. So he gets put in a boat, and they, they put him out in the water, and the crowd still presses in. Because, you know, what good is a boat if you're just like right here on the, the edge? I mean, the boat is out there. They've taken him out to a point where people can't go any further. There's going to be men and women standing there with water coming up to them every time a big wave comes. <laughs> All because they want to get close to Jesus. They're listening to what he's saying and they're being moved by it. Something is activating these words in their heart and in their mind. And they understand, if I don't catch this, I could miss everything. And so they press in. And his words were, were recorded as follows. Listen to this. That's actually the word. It's not me talking. That's actually the word there. Verse 3. Listen to this. Behold, a sower or a farmer, you know, went out to, to sow or plant. And as he was sowing, some seed fell on the road, and birds came and ate it up. And other seed fell on rocky ground where it didn't have much soil. And it immediately sprang up because it had no depth. And when the sun came up, it burned it. It had no root. It withered away. Now verse 7. Other seed fell among thorns, weeds. And those thorns and weeds grew up and they choked it out. And therefore it yielded nothing. Didn't produce. Verse 8. And other seed fell onto the good soil where it grew and it increased and it produced. It produced 30 times, 60 times, 100 times what it was in its own investment. And when he finished saying these things, he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, I, I am kind of a farm boy by nature. I, I like agriculture. It was kind of something that, that I was drawn to. I went and pursued farming in my youth and, and, and have a great uh, appreciation and affection for all things agricultural. But even me, even though this is very agricultural speak, I'm hearing this and I'm not feeling moved to go, you know, nearly drown myself to get closer to these words. But when the Spirit of God is activating what these words mean, you can realize, if I don't catch this, I could miss it all. 
Jesus talks about this. I mean, you've got to understand, people were watching this. Even the, the, the disciples who spoke very closely with Jesus are witnessing that here's a guy who's standing and he's talking about farming. He's talking about planting seeds. You know, birds come and they eat some of your seed and some of your seed falls in places where it doesn't grow very good. And then some of it, you have weed issues and that affects your yield. But, you know, some of it, sometimes, you know, it grows and, and, and it really produces. He's having this agricultural conversation and people are gathering in masses, driving him into the seed just to get close to it. We've got to understand the Spirit of God was moving on people. People were hearing those words, but they were understanding, this applies to my life. I want that in my life. I I desire that. I want that to be a prayer for me, and I want to invite you to join me in that. God, when I hear your words, let me see their application to my life. So that I can have that same passion to pursue those things. So that I will push and shove and fight the crowd just to get close to those words. That I will see them as so valuable and so important that I won't see them as just another weird message that, my God, he's going a little long. He's chasing rabbits. When is this going to end? But that I could have your spirit active in me, revealing to me that these words apply to me. And as far as these words are concerned, Jesus says something really powerful. He says it uh, when you get to verse 13. Mark 4, verse 13. Now, he's saying this in response to people kind of scratching their head. You know, I, I didn't get those words. I mean, it was, it was very well communicated. You're a very eloquent man. It was a great agricultural report. You did a really good job there on the ag report, Jesus. But we don't get why people were flocking in masses and droves and driving you into the water until they couldn't touch the bottom anymore just to get close to you when you were saying that. We don't understand. Um, Again, there's paraphrase there, but in verse 13, Jesus responds to this lack of understanding. And he says to them, you don't understand this parable? You don't understand that, that message, that ag report, so to speak? You don't understand that? And then he goes on to say this, how then will you understand any of them? So I want to offer that to you as this. If I don't understand this, how could I understand any of what God's saying? If I don't understand this, how is the Bible going to make sense to me? I mean, I I grew up in church, but I wasn't born again until I was 20 years old. I mean, I had morning devotionals. I I was, you know, a strange kid. I would get up really early. I would eat four pieces of toast. I would drink one glass of juice and one glass of milk, and I would sit and I would read this devotional. And then I would watch like an hour of cartoons before I went to school. But that reading, that devotional, I just knew I, I needed, that was a Christian thing to do. But none of those words were, were, were active. They, they weren't penetrating my heart or my mind. It was just a ritual. It was just a routine. It was a good routine, a healthy routine. But I look at this and I see something. There is a need, an understanding. Do you not understand this? Then how would you understand anything else? If Jesus is saying that catching what he's speaking here with the seed and the soil, if catching that is the difference between the word of God being active and alive and and flowing in our lives powerfully and the word of God simply being routine and mundane and and ritualistic, I want to to understand this. I want to catch it. I want to see what he's saying and I want to to put it to practice. So he, he goes on to explain. 
He breaks this down. To the guys that are saying, hey, we didn't understand that. We didn't catch it. Obviously, it was, it was ringing a bell with some people, but it really wasn't with us. Jesus goes on to explain. He says, well, the, the sower is sowing the word. I mean, so this is involving the word of God. The ones who are beside the road where the word was sown, when they hear it, immediately Satan comes and takes it away. In a similar way, there are ones where the word has been sown in rocky places. When they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy, and they have no firm root in themselves, but are temporary. And as soon as affliction or persecution comes, because of the word that's inside of them, immediately they fall away. They're not willing to fight for the word. And then there are some where the seed falls among thorns or weeds. These are ones who have heard the word, but the worries or cares of the world or deceitfulness of riches and desires for other things enter in and they choke out the word and it becomes unfruitful. And then there are those on whom the seed is sown and it's good soil. They hear the word, they accept it, it bears fruit, it's productive, 30, 60, 100 fold. So he breaks down these, these groups. I mean, he breaks down basically all of humanity into four people groups. So at any point, in any time, in anything, I'm in, in one of four categories no matter what. One is that group that immediately has the word snatched away. I mean, I, I've seen that. I've witnessed that. I've seen people that desire to have the things of God enter into their life. They step into those things, and then uh, immediately, as soon as it comes, it, it's gone. It's taken away. You have to ask yourself, I mean, how does that work? I mean, what, what is that? I, we'll, we'll break that down in just a moment. And there's another group that have the, the word sown, but there's no depth. Jesus said there's no depth in themselves. And I think that's a really interesting way to put it. And so as soon as trouble comes, as soon as hardship comes, you know, as soon as there's difficulty, as soon as there's trial, it, it's, it's out the window. Then there are those that have that sown, and there's other things, distractions, cares of the world, other priorities, and those things uh, get all of energy and resources of the person, and so the word becomes unfruitful. doesn't mean it's not true. It's still true. It's just not applied and therefore unfruitful. And then those on whom the soil is good, they receive the word, and they're productive. That's the group that I want to be in and that we need to be in as believers. So I want to look at those other groups for the purpose of identifying our needs and what we need. That, that first group, the, the, the seed is sown, it falls on the road or on the hard places, and the birds come and, and take it away. Now, I get distracted by the birds when I read that, but the bird's really not the point. I mean, he says, you know, the bird comes and takes it away or the devil comes and takes it away. That's not the point. The point is, is that it's available to be taken. And why is that seed available to be taken by that bird? I mean, just let the wheels turn. Why can, you, why can a bird come and take that seed? It's on top of the ground. It's not underground. It's not buried. It's not in the earth. It's on the earth. I mean, if everything that, that comes into our lives that is, is in reference to the kingdom of God, the word of God, teaching, discipleship, fellowship, all of the things that make up our life as a believer, if all of that is only on the surface and shallow, it can be seen and taken away. But if it's received and taken in, then it's not so easily snatched away. 
I mean, this is something that's important to me. I mentioned my little routine as a kid, you know. I mean, all of that stuff was on the surface. It was just routine. I just did it because I, I saw other people do it, and I, I thought that that would be a healthy thing and that the, the routine was a good thing. But it was all on the surface because my heart had yet to be opened up to receive. I mean, when you're born again, when you become a Christian, a work is done in your heart. In fact, God talks about it. He talks about it in, in Ezekiel. I'll read a passage of scripture to you out of Ezekiel, Ezekiel 36. I'm going to begin in verse 26. He says, I'll give you a new heart and I'll put a new spirit in you. I'll remove the hard heart and give you a soft heart. I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my ways and you'll be careful to observe all of my word. And you'll live in a land that I gave to your forefathers. You'll be my people. I'll be your God. Moreover, I'll save you from all of the uncleanliness. I'll call you and multiply you. I mean, you see this promise of, of increase, this promise of fruitfulness, this promise of success. And it begins with a change in the heart. So if we find that we're hearing things, but yet they're having no effect, and it's very unfortunate that my, my family's not with me this morning, but I think I, I might have gotten a look from my wife. I've told you that, and yet it didn't happen. It didn't happen. I've told you that a thousand times. Yes, dear. Yes, dear. But then nothing changes. It's just lying on the surface. It's not changing. It's not going in the heart. There needs to be a change of heart. I had a conversation once with my wife about an issue like that. I mean, it was a personal issue within our marriage where she was continually asking for something that was, was not unreasonable to ask for. She was very right to ask for it. And I continually failed to, to, to bring that to the table. I continually failed to perform, even though I wanted to and would say, yeah, I'll do it. I promise. I'm so sorry. I, I want to change. I, I don't know what's wrong. I want that to change. It was really difficult. And finally, one day, she said something, and it, it really stood out to me. She said, you know, Preston, this is, this is a heart issue. And I mean, I got to tell you, when you hear that, you know, you, you, your first response is like, oh, come on, you know, because you, know, you just think, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. But the truth is, she was right. It was a heart issue. There was a, a, a stubbornness, a selfishness that needed to be ministered to by the Spirit of God so that the heart could be receptive to her, what she was asking for, and it could come in and be responded to. And that's what happens when we're born again. I mean, the Word of God actually can enter into our lives and have an effect. And then you have this, this next people group uh, the, the, where the Word comes in, but there's rocks. The soil's not very deep. I mean, Jesus talks about them in Mark uh, between verses 16 and 17. He says, these are those where the seed was sown on rocky places, and when they hear the word, they immediately receive it with joy, but they have no firm root in themselves. They're temporary, and when affliction or persecution comes, they immediately fall away. Well, I've seen plenty of that in my life, and I hope that I've not been that very often, but I'm sure I have. People that are always excited to hear what they need to do. Oh, I want to get my life straightened out. I've been dealing with this, I've got that, I've got this, I've got that, addiction, bondage, uh, poverty, restrictions over here and over there. And so they'll hear of hope, they'll hear of the word, yes, sign me up for that. But the moment that that's challenged, gone. Jesus calls them temporary. But then he tells why. Kind of like that bird was the distraction. That bird wasn't why that seed was gone. That seed was gone because the bird could get it in the first place. Why in the world would, would someone be temporary? No one would sign up for that. 
I mean, if I were to say, you know, put a banner outside the church and just say, you know, we, we want to make disciples who are real excited to hear the word, but the first time trouble comes, they run, you, you probably wouldn't get a lot of people that sign up for that. I mean, nobody wants to be in that group. I don't want to be in that group. But there's something that exists that puts people in that group, and Jesus identifies it here. I think it's really interesting, the words that he uses. He, he said, they have no firm root in themselves. They're happy to receive the word with, with joy, but they have no firm root in themselves. It's, it's just an interesting way to word that. Now, how you view yourself is really important. And I know that this is a, a little bit awkward or odd to, to bring up here, but I, I think it has a, a connection and I can tell you in my own life, I've seen that. I mean, understanding who you are, who you've been called to be, and everything that God is doing in your life through Jesus is a really powerful understanding. If you have that understanding, it's going to equip you to walk in that success that glorifies God, that fruitfulness that glorifies God. When that understanding is missing, it becomes very difficult to make the right choices and decisions that lead you to that place of success. I want to give you a passage of scripture that to me has always stood out as, as at the very least interesting. And it involves your personal perspective, how you view yourself. I mean, we got to do a little, you know, backtracking here in the Bible. And if you don't know the story or the history or anything, that's okay. I mean, what it comes down to is God has promised for, for, for the believers to go and receive his promises in a certain area. He sends them to it. And some people see it and they're excited and other people see it and they're afraid. And there's a difference between those two groups. But I'll give you a passage of scripture here out of the book of Numbers. Numbers 13, 33. And I mean, it's not like a personal favorite or anything like that. It's not, it won't become anybody's life verse or anything, but it's just kind of interesting. You see a group of people who, are, who have have heard that God has given them a promise, and so they immediately are excited, so excited that they're willing to go check it out. But then the moment there is affliction, the moment there is resistance, the moment they're going to have to put any effort into it or there's any potential struggle to achieve that promise that God called them to, they're out. And these people, they said they encountered uh, giants in the land is how they word it. There's resistance there. And they say something that's really interesting to me. It's, it's kind of like one of those things that you just think, you know, that's too specific to be an accident. But they say, we saw the resistance that was in the land. We became like bugs in our own eyes. And so we became so in the eyes of our enemy. I mean, think about that for a second. Don't let anything distract you right now, but think about that. We saw resistance, we became like bugs in our own sight, and so we then became like that in the eyes of our enemies. I can take that little passage of scripture there, and I can make this from it. How you view yourself is how your enemy views you. Do you view yourself as a blood-bought, spirit-filled, empowered, equipped, released, affirmed, Holy Ghost believer? Or do you see yourself as something different? And having that understanding or that awareness of who God's called you to be is a big deal. It's the difference between just simply celebrating God's promises temporarily and as soon as resistance comes, running away. 
or understanding that, God, you've called me to break through this. You've, you've equipped me to penetrate that resistance and to achieve all the promise that you have poured out upon me because you have given me everything in Jesus. How we view ourselves important. That other group there, you know, the first one was the group that has, their heart hasn't been prepared, it's hardened. That next group is that group that has no depth in themselves, that, that insecurity. The, this, this third group, the, un, the, the, the group that Jesus refers to in verses 18 and 19, he describes them as the ones who are the seed is sown among thorns, they've heard the word, but the worries, the cares, the deceitfulness of riches and the distractions that exist in this world, desires for other things come in and choke out the word so it becomes unfruitful. I want to point out once again, the word is the word, it's powerful. It doesn't make the word not true. But when the things of the world become a priority and the word is no longer prioritized, we're no longer following the word, but we're following the world. This is going to be a challenge. I mean, by definition, it's idolatry. You can see in idolatry, you can see a list in Psalm 115. Idolatry is listed as all of these unproductive, unfruitful things. And everyone who indulges in idolatry suffers that unfruitfulness. I mean, that's basically what Psalm 115 says. But we come to a place where we realize that God's calling us to be productive. I mean, he's glorified by that productivity and that success, that fruitfulness. But the things that are keeping us from that potentially are the things that he's here to minister to by his spirit. He's here to soften our hearts. He's here to affirm us and bring that security that's necessary for us to stand in the face of, of difficulty and resistance. And he's made it uh, evident in our lives, what is, is to be pursued and what is not to be pursued. The things of his kingdom versus the things of the world. When Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and all of its righteousness, and then everything else will fall into place, he's not just saying, hey guys, I've got a good idea. He's offering us this, this principle of how to function and operate in his kingdom in a fruitful manner. Prioritize the things of God first. Put them first, and then everything else will fall into place. But to put other things first and to shelf or table the Word of God is to open up the door for the Word of God to become unfruitful in our lives. The fruitfulness, when, when Jesus is speaking about fruitfulness in Mark uh, verse uh, 20 of chapter 4, he talks about those where it fall, the seed falls on the good soil. And he uses words that I think are <clears throat> interesting and worth noting. He talks about those people that, that uh, are productive and fruitful. And they do, they do three things here. They hear the word, they accept it, and they bear fruit. And when I see that in the scripture, those are three things that I, I want to underline or circle. And I want to apply that to my prayer life. I encourage you to consider doing the same. To simply ask God, Father, I want to hear your word. And I want to accept your word. And I want to produce by your word. I want to hear it, I want to accept it, and I want to produce. I want to be fruitful. I want to hear it. Let anything that keeps me from hearing your word, let that distraction, let that, let that hindrance be removed. 
reveal it to me. Let me tear it down. You yourself relieve it. Whatever it takes, get that hindrance out. I want to hear, and I want to hear you clearly. And let me accept it. Let there any obstacle, any stumbling block, any area of my heart that would refuse to accept your word, let any pride, any past hurt or wound that would cause me to reject any part of your counsel, let it be healed and redeemed. I want to accept your word, and then I want to be fruitful. I want to bear fruit. We opened up with a passage of scripture out of John chapter 15. I want to close with that. I mentioned we were going to find out what our lives are giving proof of. I'll give you that passage of scripture again, John 15, verse 8. Jesus was speaking and he said, My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. I want to say something and I don't want it to, to sound odd. And, and we, are, we are closing I want to be more, and I'm talking about how we perceive these things in our own language, than just a Christian. I want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. I mean, um, you got to understand, being a Christian should mean that. But in our culture today, you know, you can ask someone, hey, are you a Christian? Yeah, yeah. And you can see that the the teachings of Jesus and, and the Word of God really have no impact on the decisions that they make. But I I want to examine every choice, decision, word, action, and I want to apply the scripture to it. I want to function and operate as as a disciple of, of Jesus Christ. I want my life to be productive and fruitful and bring glory to God. And according to what's written in John 15, so does God, because that is what glorifies him. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. I want to trust and believe God to do something great for each one of us. I told you how the, the, the word stirred in my heart, how it came to pass. I mean, there was this absence of self-examination. I'd become so fixated on examining what they're doing, what they're saying, that I, I'd begun to fail to examine what I'm doing. And I think that this is an important thing. I, I, as Jesus said, hey, listen, if you don't understand this, how are you going to understand anything? I don't think that this is a one-time thing where you just sign up. You know, hey, do you want to sign up on the hard heart club? You want to sign up on the, the insecure club? You want to sign up with the, uh, the idolaters? Or do you want to sign up with the fruitful? Well, we'd all sign up with the fruitful. But I think that there's a need for constant examination. God, have I let my heart become hard? I mean, am I going through the motions? Is this just routine? When your truth comes into my life, does it just ping, bounce right off and get snatched away? I want to examine myself for those those hard places. Father, have I become offended or hurt or wounded in some way that now is keeping me from obeying your word and doing what you've called me to do that I know is true? And don't let hardened places in my heart, those, those rocky places, don't let that produce an insecurity. Don't let my hurt or my wound dictate my direction, but let your healing. 
And I want to examine myself for that. I want to examine myself if there's distractions. Father, have I put anything in front of your word? Have there been things in this world, I mean, this a, a desire for increase in wealth or, or uh, some items or, or even relationships, have there's, is there anything in my life that I've put before your word? <clears throat> I, I really think that if we can examine ourselves, that's going to be the key to being that people group where the seed falls, it takes root, it puts down deep roots, it sprouts and it grows and thrives and it produces. I think that's when we see in our lives and in the lives of those around us the fruitfulness, that productivity, that success that brings glory to God. And I want to pray and I want to ask God for that attitude of self-examination. I don't think you create rules or routines or structure, but I think you just say, Father, can you help me daily to examine my life? That I wouldn't lose track of who I am or where I stand but that I would forever be mindful of my need to be good soil, fruitful and productive, bringing you glory with every action that I perform, every word that I speak. That's what I want. So I want to pray. You can be in a state of agreement or acceptance, however you choose. I want to see God do this for us. Father, thank you for your word. We desire to be a people who would bring you honor and glory. We want to prove to be the disciples of our King Jesus. Let fruitfulness and success, productivity, let those things be the things that we produce with our words and our actions. And let it be accomplished by your Spirit. As we would examine our hearts to see the condition, let us be willing to surrender every aspect of our living to the conditioning necessary to be productive. That all hardness give way. That there would be a softening. That we would be receptive to your word. Let all insecurity be ministered to by your affirming words that you've received us, that you have equipped us and empowered us, called us to do great and mighty things in your name. Let all the cares and the distractions that exist in this world, let them be revealed as the empty, the false and vain promises that they are that we would stand upon what is true, what is unchanging, and what is guaranteed, your word of truth. And let there be an awareness and an attitude in each one of us of self-examination, that as people are picking and choosing sides all across our country, that we wouldn't be fixated on what they say and what they do, but let us turn our eyes inward and be awakened to our state and our condition. Let us be equipped to be fruitful and productive that we might also be equipped to serve those around us. We thank you for your word and we receive your ministry by your spirit for your glory and the expansion of your kingdom. And we give you thanks and rejoice in our King Jesus. And we ask that as we live out our lives, his name be glorified. We bless your name and we thank you in the mighty name of Jesus and all the saints declared, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at champschurch.com.